Welcome and thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. The number of U.S. adults who identify as LGBTQ has increased, double the percentage from 2012, according to a new poll released by Gallup. What this means for their healthcare is the topic of this episode. Our guest, Dr. Kelly Bennett, a family medicine physician at Texas Tech Physicians and associate professor at TTOHSC, talked to us about important health issues for people who identify as LGBTQ+, as well as explaining the acronym, the use of pronouns, and how to find a primary care provider. Dr. Bennett, thank you again for coming back to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? My name is Kelly Bennett. I am a family practice doctor here at the Texas Tech Health Science Center, Department of Family Medicine. I've been here for 27 years, and um, a lot of my practice, probably about 50%, is with the uh, local LGBT community of West Texas. So I do regular scope of family medicine, except I don't deliver babies anymore because they always want to come in the middle of the night when I'd rather be sleeping. But other than that, I still do everything I was trained to do as a resident here. And then uh, over time, with LGBT issues becoming more out, so to speak, my practice has shifted to where about half of my practice is with that community. Well, welcome back. Now, recently, a Gallup poll revealed that the number of Gen Z U.S. adults who ID as LBGTQ plus has increased to one-fifth from what was reported 10 years ago. What does it mean when someone identifies as LBGTQ plus? Well, I think first you need to look at that, you know, LGB is all about your sexual orientation or who you're romantically or or physically attracted to. The T refers to your gender orientation or who you feel you are as a person, be that man, woman, or kind of a hybrid. And anytime we use the word Q, sometimes that can be used as the word queer, which is a word the LGBT community has kind of taken back. And then some other people use it to mean questioning, as in I'm not quite sure what I am, but I'm questioning it. Also, other times we add an I and an A at the end. I is for intersex, which is when someone is born physically with both female and male body parts, which a lot of people either didn't cover that in high school science or don't remember. And then the A is for a group of people who are are often overlooked, and those are people who consider themselves asexual or they have no romantic or physical feelings towards either, either sex, gender, or anyone. So with both sexual orientation and gender orientation issues, it's not as black and white binary as people sometimes think it is. Both for sexual orientation and gender orientation, there's more of a continuum of being straight versus being gay, being what we call cis, which is if you identify, if you're born with female parts and you identify with being female, you're a cis female. 
versus trans, where let's say you were born with male parts, but you identify as being female, the word for that is trans. And so there's also a continuum of that where some people feel, you know, they're pure male, other people feel they're pure female, and some people feel uh, the word we use is non-binary or one of the words that's used in the community is genderqueer, and those are people who don't really feel pigeonholed into one specific gender. And some people will actually move along that gender line on how they feel that day. I have a, a funny saying from an old commercial that used to be on TV is that sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't, on how the, the people are feeling that day on what gender role they, they want to, to have. So the first thing to know is that there's this continuum of sexual orientation and gender orientation so that I think that the, I call them kids nowadays, but the Gen Zers feel more comfortable saying, yes, you know, I am on that continuum and I'm willing to say that I am, while their parents and grandparents looked at the world completely binary and either they were in a homosexual gay relationship or they were straight. There was no middle ground and no bi at the time in, in the past. Well, thank you for explaining that. I know personally I hadn't really thought about the difference between um, a sexual orientation or who you're attracted to. I, as a Gen Xer, also had a bit of a problem just not understanding, but I'm, I think I'm coming around. But in terms of what we do here and in healthcare, what does it mean for people who are studying health professions? Does it make a difference with people identifying themselves other than something that's binary? Well, when you're talking about sexual orientation, we do know that people who identify as lesbian or in the medical field, what we say is women who have sex with women or gay men, which we say men who have sex with men, we know that they have special health considerations that straight people do not have. And so it's important for your physician to know your sexual orientation. Of course, if you're abstinent, it doesn't really you know, matter. But we know that you know men who have sex with men are at higher at higher risk of getting HIV, they're at higher risk of getting syphilis, they're at higher risk of getting hepatitis A and B, and we know that they're at higher risk of, of having drug and alcohol issues. With lesbians, we know they're also at higher risk of drug and alcohol issues, they're at higher risk of things that come from obesity, they're at higher risk for things that if you have your children in your 20s, which you know some lesbians don't have kids because sperm isn't often readily available, that they're at a higher risk for things such as breast cancer, ovarian cancer, some things like that, that having children in your 20s lessens the risk. Also, they are many times under the mistaken impression that they don't need the regular preventative care that heterosexual women need, things like mammograms or pap smears or, or that kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we have to tell people that when a woman has sex with a woman, she can get anything from that woman, STD-wise. She can get anything other than pregnant. So it is good to know if people are 
same sex in their relationships so that we can know that we have to worry more about different situations, depression, domestic violence, things like that. What are some reasons that they would have less access or not as good access to health care? Well, I, I believe the access is there. It's just some of its education that people aren't aware that they need the extra, like, you know, gay males often don't know that they need to have syphilis testing done. A lot of them, which just blows me away, but a lot of them don't know that we have PrEP now, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV. That's 96% effective. So that if somebody takes PrEP daily, they're 96% less likely to get HIV. And a lot of of people aren't aware of that. So some of it is education, but some of it is that doctors who are my age and older were trained absolutely none on any gender or sexual issues whatsoever of, of, of orientation. The, tol- the total sum of my knowledge from medical school about gay men is that they had HIV and AIDS, and I knew that we had AZT and 3TC, and that was it. That was all. We had no teaching whatsoever on any of the other issues I've, I've touched upon for either either uh, gender. And, you know, also, when you're talking about Americans who are Gen X and older, there's quite a bit of uh, stigma and still hostility and bigotness. And some doctors are not trained in it. They don't want to be trained in it. They don't want to know anything about it. I have had many, many patients come to me because they did confide to their doctor that they were gay and that they were interested in PrEP, and their doctor just flat out said, I don't do that. And so they find their way to me, mostly through word of mouth, probably. How do you suggest we bring that up to our physician or primary care provider in terms of sexual orientation or pronouns? Well... We're training our current generation of doctors to ask those things. I just came to drop in on you guys and left my, uh, I was teaching what we call docs, which is how we teach how to take a history and physical exam. And at the very, very beginning, you knock on the door and introduce yourself. I'm student doctor, whomever I am. You are, and they give their name. And what pronouns do you go by? And it's going to be something that, in the future is completely routine. Even now in our EMR, we have that in there to help people to remember to ask for pronouns. So my advice to patients is when you are with a a doctor that you try to gauge their knowledge and sensitivity about the subject. And one good way would be saying, oh, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And if the doctor's like, what? You know, you might figure out, this may not be the person for me. We might not gel. And if the person's like, uh, oh, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that, and I'll make a note of it. You know, then you can kind of know that this is probably going to go okay. I do think you should self-disclose, you know, your your sexual orientation so that you can get the optimal health care. I even have, you know, some lesbian patients who have been in mutually monogamous relationships for 10 years or so, and, and you know, they feel comfortable bringing up to me that they want to start a family. And I, I help them get in touch with the right people to, to, to get that accomplished. And that's something if they went to a non-affirming physician, they wouldn't get much aid in that, let's say. 
Can you go over pronouns for us? Pronouns. Well, people who consider themselves female will usually, sometimes people will wear a button that you might see somebody wear that says she, hers. And it's kind of funny because my English language skills have always been just eh. So I'm always like, oh, my pronouns are she, her. Oh, crap. What's the other one? Oh, yeah, hers. She, hers, her, hers. And then for someone who feels male, it would be he, him, his, which for some reason is easier for me to say. Then we have people who are non-binary or they're questioning, and they really want to use they, them, themselves. I'm running out of pronouns. And then there are some pronouns that some people use that's like Z, Zim, just just very, very different, not not words that we usually know in the English language. So to make my life easier, I pretty much give my patients a choice of he, she, or them. I generally use them because, well, as a writer, I got tired of writing he or her, he yeah. slash her, just them. Yeah, we, we actually use them all the time when we don't know, like, let's say somebody left their phone, and I just said it, and you're like, hey, uh, Someone left their phone because you don't know if it was a he or a she. And so we use them in the English language all the time. And it really shouldn't be much of an effort to, to do that when you're, when you're actually speaking about someone as an individual. But pronouns are hard because other, other languages don't have pronouns like that. We have a lot of uh, international graduates that we work with from other countries, and they'll be telling me about a patient within the same couple paragraphs switch the pronouns around so that I'm like, no, wait, is this a man or a woman <laughs> with the chest pain? I'm confused. Because in their native language, there is no gender association with pronouns. Does that make sense? Well, as a native Spanish speaker, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just a lot of the people that don't have pronouns that are he or she are from the Asian countries. And so when they first start giving us stories here, we have to be like, all right, now I realize you might flip your pronouns around, but tell me at the beginning, is this a, an older male or an older female with this chest pain we're talking about? Because it makes my mind change the possibilities of what could be wrong with them. So I'll know that you might flip your pronouns inadvertently, but I'll know who we're talking about. So other than word of mouth, is there any way that you recommend, I mean, what's the best way to find a, a friendly doctor? The best way is to Google. <laughs> and you can actually put in, you know, Lubbock, you know, LGBT medical care, and you're going to get those of us that are affirming are going to pop up. And Texas Tech um, actually has a list of the people who are um, LGBT affirming uh, doctors, lawyers, therapists, even uh, anesthetists in town that's on the web that you can find. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to say, you know, some people are under the impression that this is all a fad. I'd just like to, to say that, you know, with more education and transparency and tolerance, people are feeling like they can be their true selves and not have to hide in the closet and uh, be able to come out. So I think that we're at, what we're actually seeing is the true number of people who don't feel pigeonholed into one extreme of the binary of each of those gender or sexual orientation. 
and that if you gave a bunch of Gen Xers and baby boomers truth serum, they would admit that they had more of a variable of uh, sexual or gender orientation than they might usually admit to. Well, thank you very much for coming and explaining all of this to us. Um, I really appreciated it. Sure. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield. <laughs>